Ah, yes, it's another edition of MLB Morning Coffee here from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Mraz, your host as per usual. Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. They help out our metrics tremendously. Also, make sure you go back and listen to some of our past episodes. I've been very happy with a lot of the metrics that we have been experiencing over the past week. We've had some of our higher download days, despite the fact that we didn't put out content for a while. So I really hope that you're actually listening to the podcast and we don't have mass Twitter bots that are somehow altering our download metrics. So yesterday's episode was a little bit short, and the reason it was short is that we wanted to get something out quickly as when we recorded the episode, Major League Baseball had put forth their second proposal to the MLBPA. So Jeff Passan of ESPN.com gave us some clarity in regards to what this sliding scale is. So Passan in a Twitter thread starts off with this. Potential salary cuts in MLB plan, sources tell Jesse Rogers of ESPN and me. So it has basically what their full-year salary would supposedly be, and what the proposal salary would be. So here is your sliding scale. The Major League minimum is $563.5,000. Under this proposal, players would get two hundred sixty-two. A player making a million dollars would receive 434000 Now this is where it starts to get a little bit bigger of a disparity. So $1 million to 434000 that's basically 43.4% of that player's salary. So a player making $2 million under the proposal, they'll make 736000 Now a player making $5 million, $1.64 million. So if we do the math on that, that is a little bit under 25% of that player's normal salary. So I am going to do the math really quickly here, and the calculations come out to 32.8%. So if you make $5 million, you'll get 32.8% of your normal salary, but if you make $1 million, you'll get 43.4%. The scale gets even bigger. If you make $10 million, you're going to end up with $2.9 million of that, or $2.95 million. So if you look at that, and you divide that by $10 million, you're going to end up at 29.5%. I'm only going to calculate the percentage for the biggest of the extremes. $15 million, you'll get 4.05. dollars $20 million, and you'll get 5.15. That's a little over 25%. $25 million, and you'll end up making 6.05. $30 million, you'll end up making 6.95. And at $35 million, you'll end up making 7.84. So $7.84 million is going to end up as a percentage of $35 million in total. That's 22.4%. So the richest are going to have their salaries cut basically anywhere in the range from 25 to 22%. Jeff Passan then follows up with this tweet, which gives the salaries in the proposal versus what the players would be making if they went along the lines of the original prorated salary plan that they agreed to two months ago. So, a fully prorated salary for somebody originally making $563,000 would be $285,000. The proposal, two sixty-two. 
The next level, which is $1 million, prorated would be $506,000 compared to $434,000. So the disparity is not that big there. $1.01 million for somebody making $2 million versus $736,000. 2.53 versus 1.64, 5.06 versus 2.95, 7.59 versus 4.05, 10.1 million. This is for somebody making $20 million versus 5.15, 12.7 versus 6.05, 15.2 versus 16.95, 17.7. This is for somebody making $35 million versus $7.84 million. So basically, once you get above that $2 million per year, once you get to that $5 million per year, you are effectively going to be making a quarter of what you were supposed to make because the prorated salary is basically half of what you were supposed to make. It is half of the prorated amount. That's what it is. So I guess it's not technically a quarter of the amount, but it's half of the prorated amount. So the differential is huge. For somebody making $35 million, the prorated amount is going to end up being over half as much as the amount presented under this new proposal. This seems to favor the players that are making less money in hopes of giving them a better salary compared to the players that are supposed to be making more money who are going to end up making a whole heck of a lot less. ESPN's Jesse Rogers shows one more thing, which is really interesting. As he says, a couple more notes in this tweet, about 65% of all players make a million or less. Minimum this year is $563,500. That player would make 262 under proposal. And remember, players were advanced some salary, whether they play or not. So basically, Major League Baseball is trying to ensure that they keep the majority of their players happy by not cutting their salaries too much, but they're also trying to save face by taking away the money that was already guaranteed to the guys that are making the most amount of that money. When I published yesterday's episode, I was asking who gives in first and who should give in. And to me, it is the owners that should give in because the owners have more money. People may be upset that the players that are making 20 plus million dollars a year want to be paid all of that money, but it's money that they were entitled to, and the owners agreed to a prorated amount back in March that would have paid players basically half of what they were promised. A lot of the players that are making more than $20 million would end up getting minuscule percentages of what they were supposed to make if you want to consider the range of 20 to 25% to be minuscule. I know that Major League Baseball players, on principle, probably make too much money. But they make the owners a lot of money. Superstars make baseball executives a lot of money. Think about that. Major League Baseball players, the ones that make an absorbent amount of money, either have extremely high batting averages hit a lot of homers, drive in a lot of runs, or if you're a pitcher, they pitch a lot of innings or strike out a lot of batters or have very low earned run averages. So basically, you can say all you want about how the players are crybabies and that they make too much money, 
the players make a lot of money, but the players also provide a financial benefit to the owners. Fans show up to see stars. Fans are going to pack a stadium to watch Mike Trout or Bryce Harper or Mookie Betts or Clayton Kershaw play baseball. Those players make a lot of money, but they make the owners even more money. I didn't believe it, but I wanted to believe that the owners had a reason for not paying the players their full amount of money, with the exception of that reason being that they're greedy pigs and that they didn't want to. And then I saw this at 6 o'clock last night, also from Jeff Passan, about the team that I rooted for as a young child, the Oakland A's. This tweet from Jeff Passan. The Oakland A's informed minor league players today that they would not continue paying them $400 a week after the end of the month, sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. Other decisions from organizations should arrive in the coming days. A bad sign to start, though. There's a follow-up tweet. Just some rough math. Say there are 200 players in a minor league system. Paying each $400 a week for June, July, and August is $5,200 per player. To pay every minor leaguer would have cost the Oakland A's a hair over $1 million. Owner John Fisher is worth an estimated $2 billion. So the Oakland A's, who rely on player development to continue to power the machine that is winning from within and not being able to acquire marquee free agents can't even pay their minor league players through the end of the season and thus not allow them to find work elsewhere, somebody was able to get the email that David Forst sent to all minor league players. And I want to read that for you here because I think it's important to understand the tone of where the organization is coming from. David Forst, by the way, is the A's general manager. He is the one that works under the VP of Baseball Operations, Billy Bean. I'm not so sure that David Forst had the authority to make this move, but he was the one that was instructed to deliver the message. So I want to make sure that I deliver that message on here so you can get an idea of what the messaging was from the top down to minor league players. And I will let you be the judge in terms of what this tone is. The email starts. To all A's minor league players, I hope this email finds you and your family safe and healthy during this time. This period has been difficult for everyone in the game, and I want you to know that your health and safety has been and remains the priority for all of us. As you know, on March 31st, 2020, the commissioner decided to exercise his authority under paragraph 23 of the Minor League Uniform Player Contract, UPC, to suspend the operation of all minor league UPCs indefinitely as a result of the COVID-19 national health emergency. As Commissioner Manfred said, our club relies heavily on revenue from tickets, concessions, broadcasting media, licensing, and sponsorships to pay players' salaries. In the absence of games, these revenue streams will be lost or substantially reduced. Recognizing the hardship, 
that not receiving a paycheck would have on you and your families, the Oakland Athletics agreed to continue to pay all of its players on minor league UPCs the sum of $400 per week through May 31st. In addition, as Commissioner Manfred said, all players will continue to receive health and medical benefits pursuant to the terms of their minor league health insurance at least until the beginning of a partial 2020 regular season and if no season is played through the original 2020 regular season calendar. Unfortunately, considering all of the circumstances affecting the organization at this time, we have decided not to continue your $400 weekly stipend beyond May 31st. This was a difficult decision, and it's one that comes at a time when a number of our full-time employees are also finding themselves either furloughed or facing a reduction in salary for the remainder of the season. For all of this, I am sorry. Please note that the baseball assistance team is available to consider grant applications on an expedited basis for those players facing significant and immediate financial hardship. With respect to medical issues related to the coronavirus, you should contact Nate Brooks or Travis Timms if you or a member of your family have contracted coronavirus. We all hope that the suspension will be short in duration and we can all get back to making our contributions to this great game. As a reminder, your UPC remains in place during the period of its suspension, and you are not permitted to perform services for any other club. The compensation provisions of your UPC will be reinstated under the terms of your contract upon the commissioner's decision to end the suspension. Your contract will continue in full force and effect for the remainder of its term once the suspension ends. Please don't hesitate to contact me if you have any questions. Ed, Keith, and Grady are available to you at any time, and they will provide a list in the next few days of additional staff that are able to work and communicate with you during this period. Be well and stay safe, David Forst. So this strikes the tone of a GM that is sympathetic to what they have to do at this time based on whatever decision was passed down from team president Dave Cavill or owner John Fisher. I don't believe that Billy Bean would actually authorize this. I think this comes from ownership. John Fisher sent an email out to A's fans earlier today. They posted an article on the website. I don't want to read the statement from John Fisher because I don't believe it's worth your time. And quite frankly, I think it's a load of crap, an absolute load of crap. I used to take pride in the way that the Oakland A's did things because being the underdog to me was something to have pride in. And the A's did things the way that they did because they weren't as financially flush as other teams. But under the ownership of John Fisher, who is worth $2.1 billion, the A's have continued to act cheaply very much in the same way that they did under previous owner Steve Schott. And when I see this, all I can think of is greed and cheapness because it does not take a whole lot for an owner who's worth $2.1 billion to set aside $1 million to make sure that his minor league baseball players are paid $400 a week for the next three months. You're telling me that if you're worth $2.1 billion, you can't cut a $5,200 check 
to each one of your 200 minor leaguers. You have the money, just like you also had the money to be able to pay the city of Oakland the rent that you owe it and have that money go to the people of the city who need it, who need it, not keeping it in your pocket because you're not spending it on a practical purpose. There are organizations that have already promised to pay their minor leaguers through the end of the season. And you know what? Good on them. That's what you're supposed to do. Because in the grand scheme of it all, if you go by that pay scale that Jeff Passan put out, it's not that much money. But at the same time, there are other organizations that are going to follow suit. That's the way that it works. And it's sad that it works that way. But that is what we have come to. This debacle, and I call it a debacle because it is mind-blowing to me that they would stiff 200 minor league baseball players and not allow them to find work elsewhere. That, to me, is a load of crap. Now, it says that you're not permitted to work for another club, but it doesn't necessarily define whether it's another organization entirely, whether that is a baseball organization or not. To me, I don't care. You should be able to pay these players regardless. You have the money. And that is the problem with what Major League Baseball owners are presenting to the players. The owners are trying to divide the players' union against itself. They're trying to act like they care about the little guy or the guy that's making a major league minimum instead of trying to pay players equally for the contracts that they signed and for what they are worth. And everybody on that prorated scale would be making more money than they would under this proposal. And it will be right and just for the players to reject it. Owners are going to lose money. Everybody is going to lose money. That is the way that sports in the era of COVID-19 is going to work. You are not going to profiteer off of any of this. And why does it seem like none of these owners care about anything other than making money? Why don't you pay the players what you promised them under the prorated plan because you have the money to do so. Why don't you keep your people employed at a reasonable salary? I understand that some teams do have to make cuts because of the size of their front office and the size of the staff that works in different departments of the organization. That part of it I do get. Owners can't just be spraying around money when they don't have any of it coming in. But the players are the biggest money makers for the organization. The people don't come to the ballpark to watch the beer vendors. Okay, maybe they do if they like good beer. But my point is, is that the players make the most money because they're the ones that bring the fans to the ballpark. It's the job of the people in the marketing office and the ticket office, and the concessions office, and the merchandise office to be able to generate revenue inside, or in the case of merchandise, outside of the ballpark. And now, an organization 
that I grew up rooting for with all of my heart has decided to turn its back on its player development system. A system that has made the A's as good as they are since Billy Bean took over as GM in 1997. I am absolutely devastated with the decision that the A's made yesterday to not continue the stipends for their minor league players, to furlough their entire pro and amateur scouting staffs, and to furlough 75% of their player development staff. Other organizations are going to follow suit, but the A's were the first to go, and others are going to set the precedent that says that owners will not part with money if they don't want to. Not if they don't have to. If they don't want to, they'll make the choice to keep the money for themselves. And it is that principle that is going to prevent Major League Baseball from returning this year at all. I think any notions that you are going to have a July 4th start are completely out the window. Because we are at May 27th at this point, and there is no indication that the players' union and the owners are anywhere close to reaching an agreement. And I think that the players are going to hold out as long as possible until they get what they want, or rather, I should say, until they get what is entitled to them under the contracts that they signed with the organizations they play for. I know this is going to be a very intense week of negotiations between the owners and the players' union. But if yesterday is any indicator of what we're going to see from the side of ownership It is not going to be pretty, it is not going to be fun, and it is going to take a lot of concession on the side of the Players Union to be able to get baseball started again. And I don't think the Players Union is going to put up with the greed of the owners anymore. The players are taking a stand because even if you believe that millionaire squabbling over money is a bad look, It's an even worse look if owners, billionaires I should say, are refusing to pay their players, who are their employees, the money that is rightfully owed to them. And that is labor malpractice of the highest degree. This has been a presentation of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If you have, write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. And as always, we will catch you in the a.m.